I'm Russ Kickle, and before we spin up this week's American Reef video, I wanted to answer a question that I constantly get regarding the HPD. And the question is simple. If I take and feed with HPD, right, will it pollute my fish tank more than, say, the normal kind of foods that I feed my fish tank? And the answer to that is no, right? And I'll go so far as to say is not only will it, again, not pollute it, but it'll actually make your water quality better while at the same time saving you approximately 10% on your total kind of feeding budget. And that's using the exact same food you use today, only adding HPD to the blend. Let me give you the example to explain my rationale. Basically, when you, you know, feed your, you know, coral reef tank or your saltwater aquarium, usually there's a blend of foods that you like. Maybe mysis, maybe other kind of frozen foods with maybe pellets, flakes, nori, whatever those things are. Right? Normally what happens, there's this kind of blend that's made and you spend time making this blend. Right? And then after you get it, ultimately you'll kill the pyre in your fish tank or at least in the filters. Right? And you'll dump this food in, it gets blown around in some percentage, I say about 15 to 10% gets stuck behind rock work, stuck in rocks, uh, basically sitting behind overflow blocks, etc. whatever that is, right? It'll stay there. And then when you turn your filtration back on, say 30-ish minutes later, right? There's another circulation kind of that will basically kick up and, um, you know, some of that food goes into the water column, going into a fish's belly. Others go straight over the filter and you end up feeding 10, 15, 20%, whatever that is, you know, into your filter. So it just goes straight into your filter. And that's what gets lost, right? And that's the piece that basically causes us to have extra filtration because now we have all these dissolved organics that are just you know breaking down into our system or you know the stuff that is maybe stuck behind rock work that's not getting eaten but still getting broken down um, and you kind of get the idea where that food right there that you've just spent money on you spent time creating that ultimately right causes more issues in the water quality in our fish tank right so it's wasted dollars wasted time right and ultimately causes kind of water issues well if you take hpd and add it to that existing kind of recipe that you've had meaning you can take hpd and customize it by adding these foods to the hpd and what it does is it'll create kind of a palatable block of food that will stay solid in the water for hours right and what i do is i take that block of food and i in turn take and put it in a feeding bag which you've all seen and i let the fish pick at it so they'll pick at it for you know hours and and ultimately what that enables you to do is that 10, 15-ish kind of percent of food that normally goes and gets stuck behind rocks or down filters and stuff like that that just doesn't get eaten, right? It takes and allows those fish to actually eat that food. And the way I kind of describe it is if you can imagine like a piece of cake, right? It's solid, right? But yet you can bite into it. Right? So, it's, again, when I say palatable, that's what I mean. It stays solid. It doesn't break apart, but what it allows the fish to do is get it and eat, eat and, you know, ultimately eat it. And, again, you're basically taking your existing, you know, feeding kind of regimen and you're taking and making it more efficient. Now, 
you know, with HBD, it already contains all the vitamins, minerals, etc., that are known to man for, to basically cause fish to be healthy. Um, so we're taking that aspect of it and we're just throwing that to the side. We're saying just to improve and make your current feeding regimen more efficient, you add HPD, HPD to it, and then ultimately you're going to save that extra 10, whatever that percentage is, right? And so now think about it, right? 10% of food goes over into the, uh, the filter. Well, that means if your packet of, you know, maybe frozen food that you feed your fish lasts, we'll say a month, you know, or 30 days, now it's gonna last 33 days, right? And you take those extra three days and, you know, multiply that times, you know, a year at first. Well, now, again, you just saved yourself a packet and change of food, right? Um, and that's, again, one aspect of it. The time, for example, that when you are changing your filter socks or the filter fibers that exist, right? Or cleaning the collection cups. Now, for example, that time has been reduced because less of those foods right, are basically being wasted and just broken down. And when you look at it, right, that whole equation goes into time right the time that you take to make that special blend well with hpd for example you know there are some customers that don't they'll basically make sheets of it break it into the cube so to speak and depending on how good their kind of vacuum seal um you know environment is um it'll last for eight months to a year in the freezer so now as far as time goes not only do you have the freshest food possible that you've made right now you don't have to spend time you know daily weekly etc trying to make these fresh foods, right? And kind of this equation goes on and on and on, but ultimately, you know, that's why I say, if you add HPD to your existing food regimen, right? Not only will you have way better water quality because again, the fish are eating the food as opposed to it being wasted, but you're also gonna save some percentage, again, I'm using 10%, right, on your monthly food bill, the time that it takes, as well as, again, all of the resources needed for that filtration, right? You know, the energy that you use to throw those filter socks, for example, in a, um, in a washing machine, right? or, you know, the paper that you use for your paper rollers, right? Or fill in the blanks, right? You know, it's just one of those things where, you know, even if you take and add the cost of the HPD, right? This food is just much more efficient. I've had tons of customers that, that kind of experience the exact same thing, but somehow it never makes it in translation to the videos and thus, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to um, answer that question, because this week alone I got four or five of those questions and uh, again, I obviously it wasn't clear. So that being said, will HPD pollute your water? No, actually it'll take your water quality and make it better, right? Using your exact same foods.
Now with that said, let's take and spin up this week's video. Well, what we're doing is we're taking a look at that Mike Paletta Sunlit Tank. Um, and it's been a year and change as far as since we did that tank swap. So we can kind of see now what it looks like. Now that time has passed, you know, and uh, maybe see some pros and cons and things that, you know, have evolved over this year. Hello there, Russell. Hi, Michael. How are you? We're doing an update today. We haven't done an update on this tank in about five months. And summertime is when this tank really starts to take off because it gets a lot of sunlight. So this tank has grown like we thought it would. <laughs> you look it, in the middle. <laughs> it's now been about a year since we switched it over. And last year they were all at the top. And a year, they're close to the top again. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, we got six inches of growth on the SPS. or well, probably closer to eight because I, I also dropped them down <laughs> or on the uh, soft corals. And there's no SPS in here because they all turn brown. And I've managed to find a few more colorful soft corals to put in here, a few more mushrooms, uh, the bubble. If you remember last year, it was about a quarter of this size. I've given them a couple new friends, bubbles to be with, different colors. I'm still looking for the uh, multicolored one to put in here, have all four different kinds. Uh, the uh, Navarcus Angel's doing well. These guys, there were 11 of them, now I'm down to five. I don't know where they go, but one of the things I think happens, because I never see bodies, is that the bristle worms get them. So I just got these new bristle worm traps from TNT in London. What am I? How do you get the bristle worms out of there? Hey, funny you should ask, Russ. <laughs> they actually pop up. If you look in here really closely, you'll see there's a really narrow hole for the bristle worms to go. I don't know how the big ones are going to get in here. I'm actually thinking of maybe drilling those out so the big ones can get in, but we'll see if they get in here. I'm going to throw a piece of shrimp in here, or you throw a piece of shrimp in here. Let it rot. Let the bristle worms go in. Pull them out. Take them out. So I'm good at planning on doing that over the next few days up in this tank because I've done it in some of the downstairs tanks and see if I get rid of them because you can get out the little tiny ones because these have little even tinier holes. Yeah, I saw this online and bought these. Uh, they got them to me pretty quickly. So I tried them out. Downstairs they worked on the little worms. I didn't have a lot of big worms because as I said, I have the uh, 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 Greenberg rats, Fienberg Greenberg rats that ate the big ones. So obviously I don't have one of those in this tank. I'm going to stick those in here, see what happens. So it will be interesting to see. Uh, what else is going on in this tank? I w was doing constant feeding. Uh, that quit working, so I have to adjust that and work on that. The lighting, now that it's fall, one of the Kessels has decided not to work. It turns on for five minutes and turns off. I have to monkey with that or get a new Kessel to replace it, uh, which I'm working on. Uh, I've gone to two four-foot reef brights on here. I had a three-footer on here. Uh, it quit working, so I put the forefoot on, and now I have great light across the entire tank. Uh, the anemones and the clownfish are doing well. You can see the colorful soft corals. The goniopora has been getting picked at by the Navarcus. All of a sudden, she found that she liked goniopora's. It was doing fine. It was growing great. Now, not so much. So that's a problem. There's actually a red goniopora somewhere in here that she ate down next to nothing. So no more goniopora's in this tank. And they were doing so nice. They were doing well for six months until she found out that she liked to eat them. So they're out of here. Uh, mushrooms doing well, a bunch of different ones. There are some jawbreakers downstairs, some eclectus downstairs, and some bounce downstairs. Those are going into here next. And we'll see how those all do. Uh, Fish-wise, I'm pretty happy with this tank. I am currently raising another school of these downstairs. They came in really small. I'm feeding them. 
Hopefully when they get to this size, I'm going to put them in here, let them get acclimated. Hopefully I have all the bristle worms out, put them in and see how they do. Um, there's a few more wrasses I want to put in here, but for the most part, this tank is uh, pretty done and pretty stable. So, Well, let's talk a little bit about circulation. So there are two things you were struggling with, right? Right. The first thing was overflow. Right. Second thing was keeping that bottom clean. So what did you do? I've added two overflows in here, and I put a big Jaboa pump that I had downstairs, power head on the back. It keeps the back pretty much clean all the time. Uh, I turn it on and off every now and then and move it around a little bit and just get detritus moving from other places because everything on here, is, as you saw when I set up this tank, is built on two uh, cement stones and everything's built up from there. There's not a lot of places for the detritus to settle. So when you have good water flow, it just bumps it up and goes over the overflow boxes and the sponges take it out or it settles in the mud filter and the mud filter down below has been absolutely perfect. It hasn't overgrown. I haven't had to harvest it. The, the nitrates are stable in here. Phosphates are stable in here. They're both not undetectable, but they're not causing a whole lot of algae. Uh, in the summertime, I have to clean this glass like every three or four days. In the winter, once a week. So now originally you had the Stream 3, the Tunzi Stream 3, you were going to put back there. It was too strong and the two fish got sucked in it this first day. <laughs> really? Yeah. So this is where I, I have learned one thing. We often talk about acclimating light, acclimating the fish to the tank. One of the things I now do is I acclimate the fish to the powerheads. Okay. I don't crank the powerheads on full 100 bore right away because invariably they get sucked onto it. So now I started off at like 25%, and over the course of a month, I gradually get it up to the level that I want. By letting them get used to it, I'm getting a lot fewer fatalities, stupid ones, because it's always your favorite fish that gets sucked onto the powerhead. Sure. So by doing that, I'm getting them a lot more accustomed to the, to, to the powerhead and what it can do in drawing them in. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because um, Roger had the exact same issue with his stream theory when he put it in his tank yep he ended up having to build a cage out of egg crate yeah to stop the exact same thing. that's what i'm going to do downstairs when i right now i'm only running it at like 40 percent yeah i'm going to move it to the other side of the tank on the bottom i'm going to put a cage around it and let it clean out that whole bottom of the tank got it got it and so at least for this one here you just kick that thing on do you keep it on for five ten minutes what do you do i i run it for most of the time and then i oh. shut it off for a few days and then I crank it on and it really picks up all the detritus. So just let it set down for a day or two. Let's whatever is missing settle. I also, because it's just on a magnet, I move it along the back. And just moving it three or four inches changes the dynamics of the water flow and gets more detritus out that way. My goal is to, to be do as little work on this tank as I can because this is my relaxing tank. It's in the sunroom. There's two couches here. You can kick back and enjoy this tank. And at night it just glows. I know the neighbors behind me aren't real happy because when it snows, the blue light shines the entire neighborhood. But at Christmas time, it looks nice. So. Oh, yeah, it does. Actually, you got to get the, uh, what do they call the red? Uh, there's a special name for the red. Oh, the Kato red yeah. Uh, lights. Yeah, I should put that in the bottom. But right now, I'm just running it, as I showed you, the uh, simple LED bulb, right. the screw bulb that in, inside a reptile yes. uh, thing. And that's worked perfectly. And it's a lot less expensive than buying an LED fixture to run the sump. Right. And okay, so back to the flow. So from the overflow side of it, you got two now, right? I got two. I'm going to go with a, uh, a uh, Vectra pump on here next. Mm -hmm. That's going to increase the flow even more. 
By doing that, I'm always, as the corals get bigger, you have to increase the flow. So I'm going to do that. There's enough of, of uh, capacity for the two of them to basically handle another 50% increase in flow. And I can adjust that based on the, the, the vector pump is DC, so you can adjust the flow up and down. So it's going to make it a lot easier to control the flow that I want in here and over the overflows. And the overflows can be adjusted up and down. So I'm going to lower those a little bit so they can take in more water. And by doing that, I'm going to be able to increase the flow without having to increase anything else in the tank. And now, would you put another C-sweep on as well, or would you just shove everything? I'm just going to run all through the one. That's, that, that works fine. This isn't a big enough tank. I mean, you can see the corals moving now. Yeah. So I'm getting nice flow. And I even have some Red Sea Xenia here that I brought back from Julian's that had died back to like one polyp that I thought was dead. But he, the Novarcus apparently hasn't found it or doesn't like it. So, but it hasn't taken off in the tank either. So, but like I said, I'm not running a ton of light in this tank because sunshine in the summer, everything grows nuts anyway. Right, obviously, look at everything in the middle. I mean, it just grew like a weed. Yeah. And now, okay, so when we originally showed the star polyps last time, uh, they weren't kind of taking over. Now they look like they're starting to take over. You they're right? growing more, and I'm good. I thinned them out. I gave Sanjay a, a head like this, mm -hmm. so they are growing more. I'm going to put something else in here, but you can also see this looks like a really nice Montipora cap. Right. That's actually a photosynthetic sponge that I got from Sanjay that he grows in the back overflows behind his tank, but in here it's really nice color purple, right. and with soft corals, that's something nice to show. Uh, basically all you gotta do is break off a piece, put it in a place, and it takes off. Because mm. we found an interesting one in the back that I didn't put there, but apparently a piece of this broke off, moved over there, and is now growing. Which is amazing, right? Yeah. Well, it shows you they're getting adequate light, but from my theory or hypothesis is that when you have good sponge growth, your tank is healthier. Because mm -hmm. sponges, uh, whenever I couldn't grow uh, SPS corals in the ELO's tank, I had virtually no sponges in the tank. Once the sponges start to take off, by the same token, the SPS coral stabilized and have been much healthier. You know, on that note, this is an FYI, so I released that particular video, we'll go say Saturday, and we're talking two days now. I received approximately 50 to 55 emails with the exact same, amen, the exact same thing is happening to me, yep. and, and so you're not alone, right? No, I, I discussed it with Sanjay, I discussed it with my friends when I was in Europe, and they all basically said the same thing. You can't just start with pure dead rock and expect to get the same kind of results in the same time frame that you do with live rock. So I will not be using any dead rock when I do the 500 or when I do any other tanks. It's still going to be as, as good a live rock as I can get. Even though the live rock now is not even a tenth of the quality of what it was before. Right. It's still. Yeah. That's right. It's still live, live rock. And again, and it makes sense because you have millions of different strains of bacteria. Yeah. Well, you have bacteria, you have microfauna, you have right. things we don't even know about that are in the rock. You have stuff released. It just, for whatever reason, stabilizes and makes a tank a lot better, a lot faster than when you use dead rock. Right. Even if you're dumping in bacteria and other stuff, it's just not the same, well, in my opinion. Right. Well, to your point, you have, a, you have a live example downstairs where you have three tanks using the exact same water, but yet different things happen in different tanks. Yeah. Right? So it just goes to show you. Right? Yeah, and this, this tank is basically 
run a simple there they are I was worried about those rabbit yes. fish yes I hadn't seen them <laughs> I was getting scared and, there they are. and they came out and there they went <laughs> but at least we saw that they're still in there <laughs> okay and so now with this this tank here again to your point, from a filtration end, if nothing has changed there, you're still using Miracle Mod? I'm using Miracle Mod, I'm using a skimmer, and that's basically it. Okay. Water flows down over an overflow, flows through the uh, Miracle Mod, flows into the last chamber where the skimmer is, and then it's pumped up to the top. It's as simple as design as there is. And you're still using the Deltex skimmer? No. Okay. I don't even know what skimmer I'm running right now, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, nope. No idea whose skimmer okay. that is. So, oh, actually, that's from uh, Unique Coral brought in this uh, new skimmer from uh, uh, London okay. that I'm trying out. Okay. Now, the Delta quit working after about six months, and I had okay. this skimmer to try. Actually, this skimmer was on the Elos tank. Now, what skimmer's on the Elos tank? Now, I think there's an octopus skimmer on the yeah. Elos tank. The octopus. Yeah, the Reef Octopus is working there. Okay. This is working here. All are working, all are happy. <laughs> And you're still dosing Kalkwasser on this one? Yeah, this is still Kalkwasser through the Tunze Kalkwasser system. Yep. That's the only additive I'm putting in this tank. Other than food, uh, this tank gets fed twice a day. That's basically it. And you're not dosing calcium, magnesium, or anything like that? Uh, I have to add magnesium and calcium from time to time. Mm -hmm. But I just do those as dry mixes, mix it up in a, in a slurry, okay. and gradually add it to the sump. But I'm not adding, I mean, you're, you're talking once a month, sure. adding a little bit of that. I mean, these corals are growing, but they're not consuming the calcium and the other minerals like the downstairs tanks are. Sure, sure. But yet they are growing like crazy, which yeah. is wild, right? Yeah, I mean, and the, the colors are nice. I mean, you don't see the polyps out on these, but uh, like this, this leather has polyps that are about this long. Mm -hmm. This is a, a green Australian leather. That's a green leather that I grew downstairs. Uh, you can see this one here is a nice lime green. Oh, you can see one of the goniopores is actually still yes. doing good yep. behind the one that's getting eaten. Yep. So, uh, the slobophyte, and I just gave some frags of that to Sanjay. That's a real nice one. There's a bluish one in the back. And then the fish are all doing good? Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I, when I was worried about the rabbit fish because I hadn't seen them today. And, and we're standing here, but they, get, they apparently were scared. Mm -hmm. So they came out, so they're still fine. But other than that, uh, the fish population is pretty much the same as it's been for the last six months. Right. I mean, I add corals from time to time. I haven't added much. I added uh, this one leather because it was really nice when I saw it. But that's pretty much the only thing I've added here in the last six months. I may add another uh, anemone because mm -hmm. I saw some black widow anemones last week when I was speaking in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll have them when I'm at uh, the show in, in uh, Strongsville in January. The guy who propagates them. Mm -hmm. So I'll probably get one and put it right in there. So I'll have a, a, a different colored bubble tip. But other than that, there's not a whole lot to go into this tank. Okay, so now the fact that you kind of moved, you know, the tank, made it higher. Yeah, happy you did it? Oh, that was, that was one of the best things I did. Okay. Because there's more room and space. There's more room for the fish. The corals are a lot happier rather than being jammed across sure. the top. Uh, hopefully they'll stop before they get to the top. But I don't, I'm assuming by this time next year I'll be removing these and putting some smaller ones in and letting them grow. But the real colorful stuff has just stayed there. And now, do you miss the fact that you can look down in? Remember that last tank? I can still look down in it. I'm fortunately tall enough I didn't make it too high. Mm -hmm. And the sunlight still hits at the right angles. I mean, in the morning it comes in here, and it, afternoon hits there and there. Mm -hmm. So it, it still gets, on a sunny day, it still gets, this time of year from now through end of March, it'll get two to three hours of sunlight. 
and then starting then it gradually increases again towards getting six to eight hours of sunlight. Good deal. And within a month or so, or hopefully within a week or two, I'll have the do castle light on before it gets totally dark. Sure. But right now that hasn't had a whole lot of impact on this tank, which is interesting. And now when you get the 500, this one's going to stay? For the time being, yeah. Eventually, this, this will probably be the first one to go. No! But, or the planet tank will be the first one to go, and then I'll move the Elos tank into the middle of the room. That will probably be what happens, but... For the time being, yeah, it, it's crazy having six tanks, but but these rabbit fish were absolutely tiny too, if you remember, and now they've gotten big, but they're not as big as the, the rabbit fish that's in the frag tank, which is smaller than them. Right. He's like double their size, and he's right. in a smaller tank. And he's thick too. Yeah. Like. Well, that's also why there's not a speck of algae in that tank. From time to time there was, not anymore. <laughs> I was going to say, or he cans. <laughs> so if I can't get rid of him, I may keep him as the mascot to keep that tank clean. Right. No, because there was a, uh, a typical fox face in there, mm -hmm. and they started fighting. So I took the fox face out and put it in the 300, and the, two, the pair of fox faces that are in there killed him within minutes. I couldn't get him out of the tank fast enough. They just ripped him to shreds. Which is amazing, right? Yeah, cause, and I didn't heed my own advice and put him in an acclimation box. Right. He had made me so mad by fighting with the bicolor and right. with the other ones right. that I took him out, put him in there, but the bicolor doesn't fight with the orange spot. Right. But the fox face fought with all of them. It's funny, though, because that, again, it goes to show you, even though you have the water, all the same water and everything else, you still got to follow the same rule. Yeah. Never change. I, I didn't follow my rule. I put him in there right. thinking, okay, this is big enough. There's two of them already. They're happy. Right. They'll put him in no problem. Yeah. In minutes. Shredded. I mean, and I mean literally shredded. Nature's rough. Yeah, they're, they, well, they're worried about taking fish and corals off the reef. And when you see how ruthless the fish are on the reef in our tanks, right. you realize that us taking small fish that aren't breeders versus a spear fisherman can take all the fish they want, big ones that are bigger they are, and there's no limits. There's no sense to Hawaii shutting down the, the fish industry. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know enough to even comment about it. Right? Yeah, but it's 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 bad. It, it shut down last week, and it may be a few weeks, and maybe a few months, and maybe a few years. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows how long it's going to be shut down. So. And isn't isn't Red Talbert part of that whole? Yeah, he's one of the people that feeds them money. That's why if I go to Hawaii, I will not use his dive systems. There you go. So, whatever it's worth, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, I obviously don't need any fish or anything from Hawaii. I have everything that I want. Right. But for the hobby in general, it's, it's bad because it's the most well-managed fishery in the world. Mm -hmm. They've already done all the studies to show taking yellow tangs off has had zero impact on their population. So, I mean, and that's the most fish fish out of Hawaii. Right. If we're not hurting that one, we're probably not hurting the other ones. I mean, that's what all the, the information that we've seen shows. So... There's no reason to do it other than, oh, it feels good. You're, if you're taking fish off the reef, you're damaging it. Rather than, if you're taking fish off the reef and people are being educated about it, they're much more likely to protect the reef than people that don't know anything about the reef. Right. right. Yeah, because it's their income. Yeah. Well, you have people making money off it. You have people making money off the fish. You have a whole chain reaction of people that are making a living or that appreciate the reef as a result. You take all those away, nobody cares about the reefs. Right. Goes back to common sense. Yeah, I mean we're not taking huge heads of corals like they used to do, drying them and putting them in fish tanks. We don't do that anymore. We haven't done that in 20 years. Right. 
They still think that's what we're doing. We have no desire to take dead coral skeletons off the reef. I mean, if you go to some of the third world countries where they're paving the road with crushed coral skeletons, you just cry. Yeah, it's amazing how much they take out. And you just go, oh my God, I could do my tanks for a hundred years. No, don't say it. Yeah, but yeah, but that's how it is. So, I mean, doing this kind of tank, right. full of fish, and I don't know if you saw the yellow tank that's in here. No. Yeah. Where's he at? They're all hiding for some okay. reason. I don't think they like the light. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> or this big green shadow that's in front of the tank. So on this particular tank. But I'll throw in some food. We'll see if we can get get them all out. Gonna say so on the on the sunlit tank we. We're saying it's been about a year. Yeah, since we switched it all over. Switched it over. Yep, it's hard to believe, but it went fast. And when you look at kind of the growth, we've got about a doubling, right? I mean, even more than double. Uh, some of them. No, I'd say doubling. The leather corals haven't really doubled. They've grown. I don't know. Yeah, it's like looking at your kids. When you see your kids every day, you can't be, wow, I can't believe they're bigger than me. Yeah, it's the yeah. same way in here. Yeah. But hopefully you saw the yellow tang. You see the Bartlett's anthias. They hide underneath the cave for some reason. Mm -hmm. I don't know who even bothers them. Uh, there's the, the splendid Pseudochromus that was tank raised that's in here. He's gotten really big and nice. There's this goofy convict cardinal fish. There were five of them. He killed off the other four. Right. That, that's the only real mortalities that I've had. There's a pair of uh, flame hawk fish in here. Uh, there's several fairy wrasses. There's going to be a few more going in here. And as you can see, the Navarcus is, is no fear. But there's a nice assortment of fish. There's a Springerite uh, damselfish. And they're really nice, but they're really nasty. You, I've put in several other damselfish. Yeah, forget it. Nah. If sharks were as mean as damselfish, we'd never go in the sea. Yeah. No, we wouldn't go in the sea because they'd attack everything that came in. <laughs> These guys have no fear. It's the perfect tank. Yeah. It is. It's a nice, relaxing low tank. Low maintenance. Color. Very little. I mean, I do a 10-gallon water change in this tank once a month. Right. And test it in the middle of the month. Adjust it accordingly. Then wait to do the water change two weeks later. Because tomorrow is the first of the month. This will get a 10-gallon water change. 15th of the month. I test it tomorrow. I'll test it on the 15th. Make the adjustments. But then none of them are huge adjustments. It's, you know, the alkalinity may be at 8.3. I maybe want to bump it up to 8.5. Uh, calcium may drop down to 3.80, bump it up to 400. Magnesium from time to time drops down to 1,200. I bump it up to 1,400. And that way I don't have any algae issues. But with the yellow tang and with the rabbit fish, not a whole lot of algae issues other than the glass. Yeah. And there's a, a blend in here that eats at it, but... And when you uh, make your slurries, so to speak, you're still using bulk reef dried? Yeah, using bulk, bulk reef dried. Yeah. The big... Yeah, exactly. Bulk. <laughs> yeah, I buy them in bulk. Yeah. Uh, they last me a couple years. Yeah. That's, you know, the way I, I look at things, if I can, I'm going to amortize things over time because I'm going to be doing this for a long time. <laughs> so there's no reason to buy the one gram sample for $3 right. when I can buy the 20 pound one for, you know, $60. Right, and they sell a nice big five gallon. Yep. And there's the blenny. There it is, yep. And did you end up changing your Miracle Mud out yet? Uh, that's actually due over the holidays. And you end up changing what, half of I'll it? I'll change half of it Christmas time and then I'll change another half of it in the summer. There you go. Good deal. Yeah, because it's actually in two chambers that I can lift up. Oh. 
So it's going to take like five minutes to do that. So you learned your lesson. On I learned to make it easy to do that. This tank is the easy. This is like a dream tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you did it, it wasn't a super, it's a basket, a plastic basket. Yeah, it's a plastic bin that I bought at Walmart. Cut out little holes in it so the water goes through it. When I lift it up, the mud stays on the bottom, water flows over the top. Just lift it up, dump out the mud, put in the new mud that has been allowed to sit in water so it doesn't yeah. blow all over the place. Put it in, put the clarpa bag on top, bing, bang, boom. Done. Yeah, like I said, there's two chambers. It'll take five minutes to do. Beautiful. I mean, planting this tank, I should be good at, I, this is probably my sixth or seventh soft coral tank. But to me right now, this is my favorite soft coral tank I did because I'm not adding anything. I'm not changing anything. All the time I was going, okay, I want to put stonies in here. I want to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I have my stony tanks. I have my LPS Zo tanks. And I have this tank. Funny how that works, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we all want to add everything and mix everything all the time. That is not the best ticket for having the optimal tanks. I mean, I have one leather coral downstairs in the, in the SPS tank. I have one leather in the ELOS mm -hmm. tank. Obviously, I have nothing but leathers and soft corals in here. This is, to me, the way to go. Right, and it's funny because, again, remember you tried with the SPS, but then again... They all turned the brown or they died. Yeah. So the sunlight was just not conducive for them. And I would say we want to maximize sunlight, not if we want colorful corals. Uh, it's sad to say, but if being out on the reef and seeing all the pictures of the reef and seeing all the brown corals... That is not the ticket. The ticket is adjusting the light. Why I run blue light on here to get the coloration on these the way they are. Good deal. Well, sir, it sounds like you did a pretty decent update. Anything as far as final notes to add? Yeah, no, the only other thing I may add, I'm still looking for, is a nice Fiji yellow leather. Just to add another yes. bit of color yeah, right here. True yellow, not the like dimmed... Not the beige brown yellow, but a nice really vivid yellow leather. Yeah, like the, that may be the only thing I put in here. Yes. So just to add another little bit of color. And it's hard to find the, the really yellow ones. Like they used to be, I don't know, we'll say seven, eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know what you're saying. Well, if you know, if anybody knows one, reach out to Mike. He's on Facebook. Yep. And whoever spoke to me that had my Paletta Blue Acro, please get in touch with me. You said you were going to come over. I'm still waiting to get that. <laughs> What's the best way to get in touch with you? On Facebook. There it is. Look for Paletta. Yep. My picture of the downstairs tank is on there, so you'll know it's me because there's six other Mike Palettas on Facebook. Is there really? I've contacted all the other five, <laughs> so I know them well. <laughs> so you're looking for the Paletta? The Paletta Blue, the first coral that was named after me. Yeah, yeah eventually down the line, I want to find all the corals that were named after me. I have like three of them, but I'm still looking for some of the other ones, like the Paletta Blue Stag. I have the Paletta Pink Tip. I'm looking for, I have the Paletta Purple Parietes. I'm looking for the Paletta Blue, and I'm looking for the Paletta Blue Stag, and there's uh, the Paletta Lovelei. I was going to say. The Paletta Blue Lovelei. That's the other one. No one has Lovelei's anymore. They used to be a common coral, but it was one of, it, it grew in a weird shape, and I mean, it was a really cool coral. Uh, what's sad is I looked at my pictures of my old 1,200-gallon tank, and I evaluated it. I would have $2 million in corals right now that I could be fragging if I still had that tank. So... Always, right? Yeah, it just Always. breaks my heart every time I look at those pictures. So, because that tank was in its heyday, it was yeah. as, as nice a tank as I'll ever have. So that there's the there's the homework assignment for everybody watching, right? Anything with a paletta in the name of the coral. Yep, get in touch with me. I'll, we'll see what we can trade or do. <laughs> Good deal. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Russell.